Wake up with 18 of racism's biggest hits. Now that's what I call racism. Volume 2020, featuring Donald Trump. I'm the least racist person in this room. One incredible compilation featuring classic phrases such as, I'm colorblind. My best friend is black. Why can't I say the N-word? And who could forget, why can't I say the N-word, part two. It's in the song. Order now, that's what I call racism, volume 2020 with your credit card or smart device. You'll receive a ticket to Charlottesville, Virginia for the next rally, free. You'll also get a free torch signed by Peter Sidanovic, a modern symbol of racism. Cruising down the street in my CRV, snapping some pics, checking the feed, climbers saying racism's in all places told him that the outdoors can't be racist. 18 big hits, all in one amazing CD. I don't believe there was red lining. Now that's what I call racism, volume 2020. Even featuring the lesser known hits like reverse racism, equality of outcome, racism is just a state of mind, And I'm white, and I've worked hard my whole life. (laughs) Oh, shit. Oh, somebody gotta stop me. To order now, that's what I call racism. Go to www.whitesnowflake.com. $18.98 for one CD or $15.98 for one cassette. If you're still using cassettes, that is. Which you probably are if you're still saying shit like this and thinking you're not racist. Sounds like our kind of people. Must be white or white passing to call. There's two Americas, right? If you're white, you see America a certain way. And if you're not white, you see America a different way. And and to zoom in a little bit, if if you're black and you're looking at a certain situation and you're standing with a white person, in that exact same situation, you're both seeing it differently, you're both understanding it differently in the exact same space at the exact same time, doing the exact same thing. So really right now, I think it's an important time to confront these kinds of feelings. And at times, you know, when I say confront feelings, like like that sounds scary, right? It's a thing, but that's the things that we need to start talking about. Like why, why does it feel different for you when we pass through his face versus me? What's good? Que onda? And to all my high Valerian speakers, Ritza Sejorna. Nuhabrosi Devanisa, say American Climbing Project Isa. It's probably good that I'm hyped up because today we're opening a big ass can of worms. That garden variety, run of the mill, boots on the ground racism. And to help me do that, I have James as my guest, one of my closest friends and colleagues who I've worked together with in the climbing industry for so long and in so many settings. And I know, I know what you're thinking, but Devin, racism's over. And we solved that with the Civil War. And I hear you, you know, I really do. But why don't we just see? Let's take a look, have a few chats, and if you're right, which you probably are, I'm not gonna find any racism. 
Sure, we all know the clans around, but obviously no real person holds racist views. Certainly not in climbing, right? Right? I guess we'll see. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. With these hands, I make fire! There's a skit where I make fun of real rock. <laughs> I make some like fake real rock films. And one of them, I'm talking about the Joe's Valley film where there's like, I really like this film, but there's a, um, it's the story is about how the climbing community at Joe's Valley uh, initially clashed with the local community of Provo and just like how they didn't understand each other. And like the climbers thought that the locals hated them and the locals thought the climbers were there to like, you know, do bad shit. And and mm-hmm. I just can't help but wonder, like, what if all those climbers were black? What if, like, a group of black people went to remote Utah to try to establish some boulders? That movie would have been five minutes long. They would have. <laughs> Please leave. Yeah, they would have been like, get out. <laughs> and they would have meant it, too. Like, they would have been, they'd have made you leave. And And it's just crazy to, like, I don't know if people think about that. I don't know if people, like imagine all these beautiful climbing scenarios that were like, wow, this is great. And then put someone totally different in that situation and try to imagine how it would be for them. It wouldn't be the same. Yeah. I mean, it's, if Connor goes out and tries out a new climbing area and he does a faux pas, he accidentally climbs on private property. He accidentally climbs somewhere where he shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Usually it's a talking to and a question. Mm -hmm. If a Mont Arbery runs down a road that he's run down one too many times. Apparently he gets shot. So where one is intentionally doing something wrong that they shouldn't be doing. Sometimes that's the case where it's like, I know I'm not supposed to be here, but I really want to do this climb. So I don't care. Yeah. Um, They'll get it talking to, and the worst case scenario, that area gets closed out to climbers. Mm -hmm. Vice versa. Ahmad got shot and killed. Yeah. I think uh, that's like the most, the simplest way to put that really is like, and that's what like kind of bothers me, well, really bothers me about this culture and climbing of trespassing and like being above the law and like intentionally doing shit that you're not supposed to do because that's something that has a whole different set of consequences for black people. And sometimes those consequences get implemented it's like when they're just existing, you know, like when you're just jogging down a road or sleeping in your bed or it can be lights out, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And and that's why it, it's almost, it. I know they don't mean it this way, but it, it just seems very like, look at what we can do. We can get in trouble with the police and we're still going to go do it again anyway. Whereas like you could get pulled over, a black dude could get pulled over by the cops, get his ass beat and didn't even do anything. And then it's like, well, shit, I don't know if I want to drive again or, or like, I'm nervous about getting pulled over when they weren't even doing anything. And why people are just like, yeah, we'll, we'll do it again. Like, cause we're badasses. Yeah. Well, with Mose Valley, it was, they were just hectic. I mean, they, I don't remember if they were anywhere illegal or anywhere they shouldn't have been. But that being said, their counterculture is just like, what are you doing here? This is weird. And we're not fans of it versus like, what the hell are you doing here? Yeah. Um, and we don't know how those locals would have reacted, to be fair. Like, we don't know That's fair. Yeah. what that community especially would do, but we do have historical pretense of other areas to 
unfortunately make a guess. If I were to step inside the shoes of like a white person, like I wouldn't think of like the outdoors as racist because like I've never had that experience or maybe like generalization. I don't want to like umbrella. I would say, yes, nature cannot be racist because that's not a construct that it has. Like whiteness is what made racism in anywhere that whiteness exists and other groups cannot. That in itself is racism. I, I think that idea of climbing is my oasis away from everything and it's it's something that only a few people can truly experience like if i plan on going to the new in west virginia like fayetteville i'm not driving by myself because i'm not going to stop at these gas stations in rural virginia or west virginia like and get out of the car by myself as a black woman going climbing in some of the best areas in the south can actually be really uncomfortable because there's everywhere. Or you can just look at the comment section on any social media page and be like, you want to tell me that? Like when Rock and I post some thing surrounding like racism that like these these people don't jump on it and be like, it's just a root name. You got to leave it. It's history. I guess the the getting in trouble with the law thing is more like I'm thinking about like Valley Uprising where how they paint them as like these these like uh, outlaws when they weren't outlaws. I'm sorry. <laughs> like they were just, they were just a bunch of white dudes living in a, a national park, you know, a place where at that time, black people probably did not feel super safe or maybe not even weren't, weren't even allowed at that point. I'm, I'm not exactly sure on the history of that, but I can guarantee you that black people probably wouldn't have been going to public parks because of the, the context and, and, we're just supposed to think that like these dudes are delinquent. Like they, they're, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it just, it's like way out of proportion, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Well, Valley uprising, I remember there was a conversation about it actually um, in the middle of the movement that happened last year where people brought up, it's like, well, you notice there's no black climbers shown anywhere in that film. Mm-hmm. At least that I can recollect. No, it's there's like, well, none. The civics right movement <laughs> started in the late '60s, and this movie starts before that. Yeah, so it totally just jumped over that entire part of history for the right reason. That's not the story it's trying to tell. It's trying to tell the history of climbing in that area, but it doesn't include how black people were not allowed in Yosemite for years. Yeah. Because that's not where they belong, according to society at that time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's and I think that's the thing is like you can't while I get that they were telling the story about climbing is that you can't ignore the context that creates climbing where like I I think at the very least they could have pointed out that there were no black climbers there. And I guess like that's what I'm getting at with this like storytelling through climbing is that it's still told through this lens of of white people like where if you had a black director do valley uprising it would have been a very different film if you had a black climber do it even it would have still been a different film of like what were you doing in yosemite like in the 50s and it was like well i wasn't allowed in so i don't know climbing just wasn't a thing we did (laughs) you know like it just would have been a different movie yeah, because Warren Harding climbed the nose in 1958, just quick Googled. Damn, um, yeah. Uh-uh. And so it's like, you know, I don't think uh, 
any black people had even the opportunity for that. Yeah. It's how can you make history if you're not allowed to be a part of it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and certainly if you don't get to tell it either, because, because that's the other thing too, is black people sometimes are a part of history, but they just don't get to write the story. So then it, you know, it gets taken out or changed or just written in a different way. And yeah, everyone just kind of forgets about it. Like, I mean, I know climbing's been around for a long time, but like the big boom of climbing was what, in like the 60s? So most people of color were fighting for their right. And then the white people were taken around in the mountains. Like, of course you're not gonna have a ton of people of color climbing because they were busy. Yeah, we were busy. We were busy trying to stay alive, get allowed into schools and colleges and universities and ride a freaking bus. Like, could you imagine MLK being like, Hey guys, uh, have fun in that protest, but I gotta go hit up these rocks real quick. Like, no. Also, you probably, if you go out in the wilderness during that time, out in these like Western and Southern states back then, you're probably not coming back. Like Fred Becky was getting all his like FAs. It's like black folks were like marching for, you know, just civil rights to be treated like humans, not to be like lynched, like all of these things. And it's like, of course we weren't climbing. I'm pretty sure Portland Rock Gym is one of the oldest climbing gyms in the country. One of the oldest rock gyms in the country was a place where legally, technically, black people weren't even allowed to be in until We interrupt this program to bring you a special segment called Devin Reads Racist Comments from Instagram. These were curated from the finest comment sections of rock climbers and climbing companies and organizations abound. There is no indication that the climbing community has systemic racism nor is there any in this country. The climbing community is the most accepting community, probably of all sports. Climbing and politics doesn't match for me. I unfollowed. People with a mindset like yours are the reason racism exists and only gets worse. The climbing community isn't racist at all. It is one of the most open and tolerant communities I know. And bringing social justice into the mix is just going to ruin it for everyone. Enough already! I didn't come to your site to listen to the recurrent theme of racism in America. We are talking about land formations. If you want to go on them, do so. No one is blocking people of color, women, a sexual orientation, etc. from being on said land formations. Not everything is racist. Do we really have so much time and so little perspective on America that we are claiming earth touching is a social issue? Climbing is supposed to be a solitary sport, more concerned with the shameless pursuit to make the sport quote-unquote safe and accessible for everyone. He was asking me, oh, usually people who get a sponsorship are much, much better climbers than you are. Do you feel like this is reverse racism? Oh, by the way, I'm a leftist. People that say that, I think, are afraid that someone else is going to get the same things that they got without working as hard as they did, you know, quote unquote, working as hard. But Devin, the outdoors isn't racist. 
not just I'm a rock. Nature doesn't discriminate. There was an article over how regular frequenters of outdoor spaces are using leave no trace principles as a form of racism. Yes. By commenting on like, you're being too loud and you're scaring off wildlife and clothing choices, like being too loud. If you want to share with your viewers, it's the miseducation of leave no trace policing black and brown bodies in the outdoors. There are always going to be those outrageously racist moments, but those, those passing comments or the assumptions or the exclusions or, you know, all the different things. I think you were, we were talking about Route Setters Anonymous. I remember uh, when somebody, you probably remember this, someone put an ad on there that was saying they were looking for a headsetter or something. And they said, uh, I think I well, showed I, you that one. I, yeah, you did. You did. Yeah. Because that because <laughs> I, I was way late to the party. Like by the time I got there, it was already, it had been months. Um, but yeah, the like female and black preferred Com- comment <laughs> and like everyone just blew up about a quality of outcome versus a quality of opportunity and i don't know like i get let me let me not say i get it i i understand it from a like completely neutral computer perspective of like don't just pick someone based upon their race but also like I don't know. <laughs> it's it's difficult. And also, I, I do think on a side note that they shouldn't have said that. I think they should have just like how racist people do. Like, don't say they people don't say white preferred. They just hire white people. You know, mm-hmm. like that's how you get around it. <laughs> you know, well, I've had conversations in the past with employees who have said, well, when you hire someone new, it better be female. Mm-hmm. And it's I can't make that promise. Well, yeah, you can. You can just not hire a man until a female applies. And that's not fair either. Mm-hmm. I'd rather hire based off of the best person for the job at mm-hmm. that time and having a diverse, strong team than to just either wait it out until someone comes in that might not be the best choice or mm-hmm. to choose someone who might not mesh with the team as well just because they fulfill a diversity requirement that I have in my own head. And to be fair, like if I'm hiring a diverse team that's going to have better innovative thoughts and new ideas, hiring Mm -hmm. people with different backgrounds is going to be a big part of that. And it's going to lend that way already. Like I don't have to say female preferred black preferred because all I want is a diverse mindset and skill set, And that should inherently come with differences in that background. Yeah, yeah. I think that like my personal alternative to quote unquote waiting it out until, you know, the person, the group that you want to apply applies. I mean, my my inclination would be to to think, okay, who is seeing this application? You know, like mm-hmm. what are we what are we asking people to have? And is anything on this list going to make it more or less likely that we will get the candidates we're searching for? So like, I prefer, I prefer to think of it that way where it's like, I would make it so that the qualifications and the things I'm asking for will attract a certain kind of candidate. And then like try to put it in places where I know that diverse candidates will look. So like, like uh, for for the, this interview, like climbers of color shared it. Like that's exactly what I'm talking about. Where I'm, if I put it on my white friend's social media who has twenty thousand followers, but they're all white. Like of course I'm only going to get white people that say they want to be interviewed. But if I put it, you know, with climbers of color, or I try to get Melanin Basecamp to do it, or I give it to 
d- different people, then that's how you attract. And you shouldn't have to choose that way. Like you shouldn't have to be like, oh, well, because that's worse. I think hiring someone just because they're black is worse because mm-hmm. we, I think black people already think that way. You know, like you can't help but think that, you know, as a black yeah. person, and it would be a nightmare to be picked. I think that's it. People don't realize black people don't want to be picked based on their race. Like black people don't want anything to have to do with their race. They just want to, (laughs) they don't want to be chosen for it or denied for it. They just want to be able to like do what regular people do. For us, we have to be the very best and then still take some flack. So even if that was why I got chosen, I'd be sitting here facing like a whole bunch of insecurities for it. I'd be like, no, I got it because I'm black. This, this and that. Not because there's a message that I can give. Even if you weren't an incredible rock climber setter and they did just want an athlete that was, you know, an average rock climber, so what? It's not to say like there's not people who have the capability of being there on both sides, like white and black. It's not saying that you don't work hard. Like, no, we're not saying you don't work hard. Of course you work hard, but you you start at a different spot. There's been studies that literally showed if you have a whiter sounding name, you're more likely to pass the initial part of HR. And that's before you even meet the person. Like you started like at the halfway point. All you had was halfway more to go and you finished your race. Like some people have to run the whole lap. Like, but, it, but it's a lack of awareness. Like why do we always have to be the very best to get average? The rest of us are fighting each other to be considered. And then when we get there, you're going to say to us, oh, you got it because you're black. Like, sucker, I'm more qualified than you are. And you will never admit it. And no one will ever tell you. And to that point too, it's like, Obviously, there's going to be some issues on both sides. You can't just create equality overnight. There's going to have to be some things that move fast and some things that move slow. Yeah. Creating a 50-50 workforce where you just fire every white person who doesn't fit within certain credentials just so that you can get black people into the job is not going to be a good way of doing things. But Mm -hmm. you can instantly implement new hiring practices to get there in the future. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it's kind of like, you know what it reminds me of? You'll understand this because you're a climbing instructor. It's like when people come into the gym for the first time and they're like, um, they want they want you to teach them how to climb a V8 where they're just like, okay, just like, what do I need to do? Like, just tell me what to do. And then you're like, well, okay, but like you've never climbed before. So I, I mean, I mean, maybe you could try this, but you can't just like come in here and expect to do it. Or it's like the, what's the hardest route? Like that thing where you just, you're like, do you, you don't even know about rock climbing until like five minutes ago. How, how do you expect to just like suddenly do the hardest thing that people have been trying to do for a while? You know, Mm -hmm. it's yeah. Trying to understand something at a very deep level without understanding the very basics. Right, right. And I think climbing is different because, you know, some people are just physically gifted and they can muscle their way through something, but there's no muscling your way through racism. And I think that's what a lot of people are. They're like trying to campus their way through racism, you know, (laughs) like not keeping their feet on, not worried about their hips. They're like, I just want to do the hard, cool shit. You know, I don't want to I don't want to do the VBs of anti-racism or the V zeros. I just want to do the dinos and the and the the men's final route one. 
we all think black people don't go outdoors. That's not true. Like we live down south. Kilimanjaro is in Africa. We do. It's just over here in America, like the whole point is to keep us from going. It's, you know, we don't have access to the information to do it safely. We don't take time off of work to go do this stuff. They're like, just deal with it. You're fine. And I'm like, what if you just took like two seconds of your life to step into someone else's shoes and listen to someone else's like shitty experience? You need to make this space so uncomfortable for people that have these raggedy ideas that they're not even going to want to come. And then I will feel more comfortable going to that gym. And then, God damn it, do not go onto Instagram and complain that Kai Leitner started a charity for underprivileged youth to go rock climbing. I don't know what the right word is, scared maybe. Like if you give better, you know, better access and there's gonna be more people trying to vie for your job potentially, maybe that's considered a threat for them. You know, it's just like, then like, so be it. Like just understanding that there's privilege that like I don't have to be burdened with being afraid of these things when I go outside and it can feel like an escape for me, but it doesn't feel like that for other people is just really important for white people to recognize. We as white people are going to be uncomfortable by things people say and, and word choices that they have. And don't get hung up there about why they're saying it. Root cause, problem solved. I'm not mad at you because you didn't have to deal with this or that, or you don't have this negative connotation to this experience, but I just want you to know this is why it, it comes off as negative to me. And maybe you can understand me and see me a little bit more as a person. What up, fam? It's your boy, Devin Dabney, here to close this out with our production credits. The American Climbing Project is hosted by me, Devin. I also am the in-house beat maker and audio engineer, which means all sonic experiences are facilitated by your boy. Okay, and I guess technically Mozart did one beat this time, but I was in the studio when it was made, and I was the one that told him, yo, throw that shit in G major, speed it up like five beats per minute, and you will have a bop. This show is produced by Rob Moore, who's our primary researcher and blog writer, which, speaking of, in case you didn't know, the American Climbing Project isn't just a podcast. Check us out at AmericanClimbingProject.com, where you'll find our blog, academic resources, links to our socials, and ways you can give us money. <laughs> but in all seriousness, though, we rely on listener support to make this happen, so no donation you can give us is too small. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash American Climbing Project. Or if you're like me and recurring charges to your bank account gives you hella anxiety, you can do one-time donations on our website, which is, again, AmericanClimbingProject.com. I will say that our Patreon has tons of bonus content, extended interviews, skits, free beats, and some added opportunities to provide feedback. So if you do decide to subscribe, it'll be well worth your money. Also, if you just want to stay updated on what we're doing, you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at American Climbing Project, all one word. And our Twitter handle is at no training beta. Can anyone help me learn how to use Twitter, by the way? Oh, and of course, you can get ACP anywhere where podcasts are available. One last thing, we are always looking for new episode ideas, new partners, and new collaboration opportunities. So if you have any ideas, feel free to reach out to us on our socials or our website. This show is for you, by you. And I ain't talking about the clothing brand. Send us a DM, email, voice message, even screenshots if you have some materials to submit for our racist comment readings. Uh, until next time, my name is Devin, and you've been listening to The American Climbing Project. 
Thanks for rocking with us till the end. We appreciate you. We love you. And we'll catch you on the next track. Peace. American Climbing Project. When we started climbing out in Bros Valley, it was pretty wild, you know? We were getting in all sorts of trouble with the law, but thankfully Tom's dad knew the police chief, so we got off easy. In those days, it was like, fuck the pigs, you know? We didn't care about the law. Yeah, I told my dad, you know, like, keep the yacht. I got my Subaru, I got the mountains. The thing about the outdoors is it doesn't care if you're rich or poor, black, white, everybody's just people out here. It's the great equalizer. We're rebels, man, you know? Like, we didn't understand why people didn't want us climbing on their private property. All we were trying to do is promote the stoke, man. That was what it boiled down to. And, you know, there were some misunderstandings at first, but at the end of the day, people let us do what we wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah.